Well, our lives sure have changed since last we spoke. It has been a hell of a couple of decades. Or at least that's what it feels like. Time doesn't make sense in this weird, weird world. Welcome to Active Discourse, the Technology Roundtable podcast. I feel like this is the first time I've done this in a very long time. <laughs> uh, the, it's been a couple of decades. Yeah, the last time we recorded, we might as well have lived on, honestly, a different planet. Because the last time we spoke, uh, the global coronavirus pandemic had not yet really been a major factor in our day-to-day lives but obviously that has changed it wasn't actually considered a pandemic at the time and now it is officially considered a pandemic and causing a lot of havoc yes i mean it's affecting your life and my life i'm sure it's affecting a lot of the listeners lives so uh we do want to uh do a tiny little psa here public service announcement this is a serious thing so if you can isolate yourself, stay at home, that's for the best. We, I mean, there's a lot of pressure that gets put on healthcare systems right now, hospitals and things like that. So just isolate yourself, keep your social distance. I'm sure you're hearing that a lot, but wash your hands, um, sanitize, don't touch your face or your eyes. And by the way, if you're young, which we are, and a lot of our listeners may likely be, that doesn't mean that you can just walk around without a care because you might not be heavily affected if you get the disease, but you're still infectious. And there's a lot of unknowns, honestly, too, as well. Because Exactly. We're still learning about it. And, and there are a lot of people who could catch it from you who don't have invulnerability to it like you might. So. Uh, and really, we're, you know, you've heard this a lot. This is You can't really exist in this world without hearing it, and you, you better not be hearing it for the first time from us. Um, but just so that you hear it again, honestly, uh, please do what you can to isolate yourself from society so that we don't overwhelm the healthcare system. We don't want to find ourselves in the scenario uh, like Italy finds themselves in right now. Uh, and Bo and I uh, do also have, personally have friends and family who would be at risk of death should they get this sickness. So, um, you know, personally, I'd like to see my friends and family meet my children someday. It's not anytime soon by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, I, with that in mind, I'm I'm doing what I can, what I can to slow the sickness, and I hope uh, you do too. So, mm-hmm. yep. Let's slow this sucker down. Yep. And I, you know, <laughs> we'll try not to focus too much on COVID today, but let's let's start with this what do you, what do you call it is it covid or coronavirus I, I feel like i'm being pedantic when i use the word covid but it feels more appropriate i don't know i actually call it covid right okay it sounds cooler <laughs> uh i yeah i don't think it matters i don't think one is more appropriate than than the other coronavirus just kind of became the colloquial right name for and it the coronavirus is a type of viruses so sars and mers was a coronavirus and covid is a coronavirus and covid is literally just a shortening of coronavirus coronavirus disease discovered in 2019 that's what covid19 means so it's not like it's it's some technical latin thing it's just shortened form so I'm going to continue using COVID then. Um, I might not use COVID-19 yeah. because that sounds super pedantic. But I'm going <laughs> That to... sounds a little bit much. <laughs> Even though it's technically correct and that's the best kind of correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, let, let's briefly talk about it uh, ever so slightly more. So um, 
How are we able to work from home? Are you able to work from home at all, Bo? I cannot work from home. I work at a company that has pretty high security standards. And at least in my department, I am pretty limited in terms of, of the ways I can work. I, I pretty much have to be there. There have to be some pretty serious um, exceptions made and um, technical uh, problems that have to be solved in order to make that happen. So it's very, very, very rare um, that anyone in, in my department gets to work from home. Mm-hmm. And um, we do actually have one currently but it's definitely a temporary thing. Okay. Well, hopefully uh, you were just explaining that your office, the room you're in is um, up to about like three people or so right now. So that's at least you are practicing social distancing. Yeah. And and there would actually be more if it wasn't for this, because there are other people who would be in the room who have been um, designated to work remotely. So they are actually working from home every day and not coming into the office so that we can have, you know, reduce exposure. So my work from home situation is pretty easy. Honestly, I uh, work at a large healthcare institution. I, I'm not doing anything uh, intense like you are doing. You're, you're actually really doing real production work. Uh, I am doing essentially project management and funny enough, our companies work together so uh i appreciate you being there uh even though i don't (laughs) even though i don't personally work with you on any projects at this moment but maybe someday that'd be great which is why i will be considered essential business yes yes so uh (laughs) you know the, the project managers get to work from home and i uh i feel for folks who are who do not have that capability because yeah it's it is comfortable to work from home and uh it's it's nice to not have to worry about leaving unless I need groceries. So, uh, how about your workload? Uh, how, uh, do you have an influx of work, or do you have a negative influx of work? Yes and no. <laughs> okay. Yes and no. It's kind of both sides. Like we've we've got a lot of work that was pushed out because of this, but we've got a lot of other work that has increased because of it. So it's kind of both sides. Uh, it's yeah, so I, I don't know. Maybe I don't know what the net effect is overall. It's just it's been very busy for a variety of reasons. But uh, yeah, I think it's up and down. Maybe stayed about level in terms of like things going in, coming out. Yeah, theoretically, mine is roughly identical to what it was like before. Uh, you know, we've been practicing work from home for a very, very long time. All my partners that I work with aren't really even in the state there's a couple of them that are in state but their their lives they are already, they already worked from home basically so um you know the sending out communications in healthcare is there's no shortage of it so so long as the postal service is working which it is uh we will be just as busy as we were if not a little bit more probably because of the fact that we got to get some uh, communication out about this virus and what uh people can do so yeah. So net effect on you is pretty... It's negligible, honestly, yeah, because of the fact that as of right now, the uh, the communications that I'm working on aren't really can focused on that. It's, they're focused on a very different part of the healthcare system. So uh, right right now, we don't really have too much going on. All the projects that we've you know scoped out at the end of the 2019 year is continuing on uh, as if this wasn't really happening, even though we know it is. 
But yeah, uh, you know, our lives are a lot different now than they were about a month ago. Yeah, you know, I, I went to I went to Chipotle the other day. Uh, holy crap, that was yesterday. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, there was a line. Out, there was a line outside. And I even I ordered online. I still had I had to wait in line to get inside the building. Because they only allow mm. a certain number of people inside at once. <laughs> I for just bizarre, like just really just hammered at home that like this is real, <laughs> this is a serious thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but honestly, like let's. Let, I want to give you guys a little bit of a reprieve from the real world. There's no shortage of COVID information, and give this a couple weeks. Uh, we're gonna start to see things come back to normal. And Hopefully. we'll be Hopefully. we'll be back to passing around iPads. Yes, willy nilly. Yes, it would be great to have the problems of February, <laughs> <laughs> but we we will see what all happens next. And so you listen to the show to listen about technology, and so uh, let's talk about technology, right? And following our our format here, we talk about follow up first. And let's see here the. We don't, I mean, God, we haven't really, with everything that's happened, we don't really have a ton of follow-up right now. I think the biggest follow-up that I have to share with you guys right now is that a couple months ago, uh, I did a, I feel like a, a relatively poor review of Apple News Plus, mostly because of the fact that I had not used it. And just in general, my use of the free version of Apple News was fine, nothing too crazy, but I had never used my free trial for Apple News Plus just yet, and so given everything that's happening, I decided to activate my free month's worth of Apple News Plus to give it a shot, and I uh, will give you future follow-up, possibly, maybe it'll be a real holistic topic, but uh, for now, I want you to know I am using Apple News a little bit more, a lot more, than I was you know, a couple months ago. And the clock begins. Yes. Yes. So, okay. That is all the follow-up we have for right now. Um, so uh, the some of the biggest news of the month, honestly, in the technology world, the technology world has kind of been put on hold, honestly. A lot of... A lot of yeah, a lot of events canceled. were canceled or, or delayed or being put online exclusively yeah and breaking news right now actually is that google completely canceled google io for this year like they're not doing any form of google io at all no online well the last i saw they were doing it in may online that just broke is that changed that just broke within the last like two hours yep they aren't doing anything yeah bombshell boom Breaking news. That is the breaking news hit the table hammer. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> maybe we'll use that more. Maybe we won't. I don't know. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. The, the runner up breaking news is all of the, uh, the council stuff that's happening. So this is the year where we start to see new councils. We're looking at one from Microsoft and we're looking at one from Sony. Yeah. So we've very briefly talked about uh, our allegiances in the console side here and so i think it's maybe we just briefly mention i'm an xbox guy you are a playstation guy and uh you know we both 
I don't think I've ever owned a PlayStation 4 by any stretch of the imagination. I never owned a PlayStation 3 either. The last PlayStation I owned was a PlayStation 2. Um, but you have Xbox as well. I have an Xbox One. Yep. I had an Xbox 360. And I played a hell of a lot of Xbox OG. But I also played... A, I Well, I don't know which PlayStations I actually owned really on the early days because I probably had like my brothers or something around. Um, but I definitely played PlayStation one and PlayStation two. I bought a PS three very late in the generation. Um, Mm -hmm. probably so much that it doesn't even count. Uh, and then I got a PlayStation four and it was quite a while before I got an Xbox one. So, um, while I am probably, I lean pretty heavily toward PlayStation. I w- I'm definitely not exclusive. I, I am totally open to both. I think they're both great systems that have their own kind of pros and cons. And it's not a one or the other. You can own both people. <laughs> I mean, obviously, if, you, if you've got the means. So what are the games that you play mostly on your on your PlayStation today? The current one is not a great example because it's cross-platform. It's Overwatch. But the ones that I've played in the past have been a huge, huge... Uh, factor in this because they were playstation exclusives like horizon zero dawn um god of war last of us they were they were all phenomenal games and were playstation exclusives or at least um like horizon zero dawn they did announce that one's coming to pc so um that one was a playstation exclusive basically for its console life uh, with the new gens coming out, um, I don't know how much that actually affects the console. I feel really bad because of the fact that I do have an Xbox One X. I actually really, really do like it a lot, but I don't think that I use it nearly enough. Um, I got it on a trade-in deal. Uh, long story, but basically, I got it on a trade-in deal for a couple for like a hundred or two hundred bucks. So very happy about the the price that I paid for it, and it, I don't feel bad about the fact that a really solid console is mostly just sitting um but most of the games that i play are also multi-platform honestly too like the um i've, I've played every single one of the assassin's creed assassin's creed games um love love those games a lot uh, i'm getting through odyssey now and historically i've played fable historically i've played crackdown there's fable fable was my ish was back awesome. in the day mm-hmm. and the the first crackdown i think i played oh, the crap out of the that best. too when it was when it was first out yeah (laughs) yes crackdown was the best and i am extremely overdue to try out crackdown 3 because i really wanted to try that out ever since i heard about it so uh you know i'm due to get the xbox game pass ultimate honestly because of the the fact that it just seems like a no-brainer um maybe right now finances are a little bit tighter but i'm due to get it i would love to give it a free trial when uh, my hobbies kind of slow down i'm currently deep into programming and that's kind of all that's on my mind right now but at one point i'll probably calm down about that and i think i'd be very interested in playing video games so uh the defining news right now of the next generation of game consoles is backwards compatibility isn't that funny like we're, we're about to get a new generation of consoles and one of the biggest discussions <laughs> is how well the futuristic consoles that are coming are going to support the past gaming systems <laughs> it's it, it's a it's a very interesting race that the two uh 
you know, real major fighting high-end companies. Um, I, I, and I say two because of the fact that I don't want to exclude Nintendo, but they're really living in their own world, and they've really carved out of... They very, they really have right. since the Wii, or, or maybe even a little earlier. Yeah, yeah, they've really carved out a very good niche for themselves. They're not competing on technical specs, and that basically makes them the default second console to get like you get a playstation and then you get a switch or you get an xbox and then you get a switch you really they really set themselves up to be great for that so um you know in all technicality the games that i'm playing right now is pokemon and stardew valley uh but yeah backwards compatibility is the the big feature for the next generation here the xbox one generation is when the backwards compatibility really became a thing um, and the Xbox One generation, you can go back all the way to, or you can go back through the 360 and through the original Xbox One. And, you know, for whatever reason, uh, the original Xbox One, those games are more or less just lost to time, essentially. And uh, Microsoft, I, I really do want to see whether or not they've gone public on how exactly they've done this because they are... Con- that what they're doing they're they obviously built an emulator but a really really good emulator for the xbox 360 or the xbox original that works on the xbox one and in the future on the xbox series x and they it seems like they've just brute forced it like we're gonna get a bunch of guys in a room and their only task is to take a video game and make it work on the xbox one and that's what they did and then when they were done they're like great here's a new game do it (laughs) and yeah it's i mean it's a real shocker but the xbox series x is a lot like a pc which uh anyone who's done any kind of pc gaming you can basically grab a game from 25 years ago and play it there's there's a huge huge backward compatibility uh goal that microsoft has had forever uh on the desktop so the win the software that runs in Windows, you can essentially grab software like um, old versions of Office or something and run them twenty five years apart. Uh, Microsoft has always been huge about backward compatibility because they've been very enterprise friendly. Now that they've got a lot of this consumer stuff, it doesn't really surprise me that their gaming platforms are also going to focus on that. So the Xbox Series X, architecturally, and actually the the PlayStation Five, and even the the earlier generation PS Four and Xbox One are very much like PCs. Right. Yeah, and that really does make um, the backwards compatibility between Xbox One and Xbox Series X and PlayStation Four and PlayStation Five to be technically easier to do this generation because there's no architecture shift. They're both x86 processors. Um, and so that actually then allows these developers, because Microsoft isn't letting go of these developers, that allows them instead to focus on optimization. That allows them to make the games better. And I think what's fascinating is the fact that they're now kind of shifting the the narrative to saying, you can play the old games, and we're going to be working on making them look even better than they would otherwise. Or performing and better. Performing better, right, exactly. Because that was one of the, uh, one of the earliest things that Sony said uh, I think last last year, uh, when they started talking about the PlayStation Five, and they it was Spider Man that they had originally called out, and they had loaded Spider Man on a PlayStation Five, and were pointing out how fast the loading times were 
which in that game you really you see loading times when you use fast travel which in that game you really only did it because then you could see spider-man on the subway Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) um but unfortunately it cut the loading times down to like one second (laughs) so you'd see like a very fast clip of spider-man on the subway and then boom you're you're on the other side of the city so it's a huge jump in performance and that's that's due to a, a few factors that we'll get into in a second but yeah it's 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 a big thing for both consoles uh the xbox i think is far is much more far reaching it's like across all generations as far as i can tell I, I don't know exactly what the limitations are it's definitely much more far reaching uh sony's they had said that it was important to them like last year um it was a little confusing in the past couple days after they talked about the ps5 more in depth but just earlier today a few hours ago actually they said that it will at least support the overwhelming majority of the 4,000 plus PS4 titles. Um, beyond that, I don't know if it's going to go to previous generations. That would be really cool, but I don't know if that's a goal of theirs right now. I feel like they're doing a good job of at least making it sound like they have pretty extensive backwards compatibility because the narrative around backwards compatibility doesn't seem overwhelmingly ne- uh, negative against Sony. Everything that I'm seeing on Reddit no. doesn't seem to say that you know they're they're not going to have PS3 games and so therefore they're awful. Um, right. Well, they, and they also have PlayStation Now, so you can stream those games. PS3, PS2, I think even classic PlayStation games are on there. Um, I just don't know what their support is going to be for some kind of local play or whatever. And that's and that's where Microsoft is really just they're going to leverage the hell out of the work that they've already done. That and mm-hmm. it's I think it's pretty cool, and that is honestly going to keep me pretty uh, extensively in the Xbox uh, lineup. Um, I'm not buying it day one by any stretch of imagination because I don't use my current Xbox nearly enough. But, you know, I'll be uh, taking an eye, keeping an eye on uh, the Series X and obviously price and whether or not I get into the uh, hobby of uh, video gaming or not. So uh, another one last thing on backwards compatibility is uh, controller uh, backwards compatibility. This is one of the first generations we've had. I think the last generation that we've had controller backwards compatibility support was the PlayStation 1 to the PlayStation 2, where you could literally plug in the old cable into the new PlayStation 2. And this Microsoft has just come out and said, whatever controller you want to use, just just hook it up and you're good. (laughs) And that's, that's cool. I mean, so let me let me elaborate they don't mean xbox 360 controller they just mean anything that worked with the xbox one series controller so i think it's the same for the playstation 5 the the source that i found currently was from respawn first and they had some some sources from game studios that said most playstation 5 games will support hardware backward compatibility seemingly including the dualshock 4 for the ps4 cool um, so I don't know if it's a game thing. I would assume there's some hardware level support. Um, but I know that hardware compatibility is important to Sony between the PS4 and PS5 because they've also confirmed that the current generation PlayStation VR will be forward compatible with the PS5. I, I like the fact that that is something that we can do. Yeah. And I have like five controllers for my ps4 so it'd be super cool if i could just carry him forward with me it seems common every generation to buy 
new controllers and whatnot. And I don't know. Uh, I, I know that both I know Microsoft is really pushing hard on the concept that a console generation isn't really a thing anymore. And so theoretically, they can just release a new controller whenever the hell they want. You know, they kind of did that with the uh, Elite Series controller that they have. This is a controller that they think is absolutely incredible. And they just made it and released it and says, yeah, it's it's available for developers to take advantage of if they want to. And yeah. theoretically, at any point, uh you know, just like at any point we can get a new game, we can get a new controller. and Just like backward compatibility is a big deal, forward compatibility is another concept. Forward compatibility is the idea that you're consciously designing something so that it will work even when the next release of your thing comes out. And that's a conscious thing that you have to do. It's not like backward compatibility where you just decide to support the thing that came out before. You have to plan ahead and decide we are not going to break this functionality mm-hmm. in the future, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> which means you really have to be sure that this is a good thing. So uh, the next point that both can both consoles really uh, emphasize, which is awesome to finally see because we've known about SSDs for a very long time. You and I probably have at least one in the devices in front of us. I'm assuming every single device in my house is powered by an SSD these days. I uh, I started the migration to SSDs on my personal devices back in 2012. Uh, I honestly don't think that I have run my primary computers off of a spinning hard drive. Uh, I, I swear since 2013 at the latest. And so I take that back because I do have one device in my house that does get use, which is my Xbox, which still has a spinning disc and the, the hard, the uh, operating system is installed on it. What oh, are you, a Cro-Magnon? It's a nightmare. <laughs> when will this long nightmare end? So, and it will end with uh, the next generation. Hey, did you see what I did there? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and here we go. Here we go. <laughs> so the next generation of game consoles will have uh, solid state drives. And that means wildly fast uh, launching. Yeah. So little rundown. I'm sure a lot of people are aware, but just in case you're not, an SSD is a solid state drive. And that's, that's in contrast to a hard drive. A hard drive is what we've had for a few decades now. It's it's literally a spinning disc inside a casing. And the newer SSDs, these solid state drives is is more like flash storage. It's there's no moving parts. So for a hard drive with a spinning disc, it's got these arms um that have to literally reach out to grab data. And if it's on the outside of the disc, or if two parts of the data are on opposite sides of the disk, you've got to go physically that distance to go get that data. Mm-hmm. So that's why on the current generation of games and previous generations, loading times have been fairly slow because even if you plan your game's uh, layout on the disk, you've still got to move around to grab different pieces of the data. SSDs have a level of performance that almost reaches RAM. RAM is really, really, really fast. If you need to pull something from RAM, it's almost instant. And SSDs are pretty close to that. Just to, just to go through a little bit of gaming history, the, the way that levels in games are designed is literally around 
loading times. Oh, okay. All right. We, we can go all the way back to Jack and Daxter, which I don't remember exactly when that came out originally. PlayStation 2. Yep. Um, trying to think of time oh, period. I feel like 2002-ish? Right. Early 2000s. Whatever. We don't need specifics. Just because we played that game before, I want to know. So let's see here. Jack and Daxter. I am going with 2002. And Wikipedia says 2001, but December 3rd, 2001. So it was the last month of 2001. So I'm going to take that as a very close. (laughs) You get a bronze star. So now we've got a time period. So 2001, early 2000s. Uh, Jack and Daxter was actually one of the first games to load the next section of a game seamlessly in the background and in totally invisible to the player. And the way that it did that was having these long, twisty passages, like lots of corners and just ways to artificially slow you down. Oh! So while you're traversing through this, it's loading the next area in the background. And then when you finally get there, you, you get it. And it was, it was one of the first games actually to do that. So technically, it was a really, really impressive game. And the, the funny thing is that, that hasn't, we haven't left that behind because there are much more modern games that do very similar things. Uh, and twisty patches, passages are by no means rare. It's in pretty much every game. So Mass Effect had these elevators that you would take, and they were notoriously slow. And that was a loading technique, Mm -hmm. because if you're in the elevator, they can take as much time as they need to load the next area. God of War had some things like that, the new God of War for PlayStation 4. They had, uh, it was a section for, um, I mean, there's there's a lot of examples, actually, in God of War. Um, One of them was like when you were traveling between areas through those doors, um, you were put into kind of an interactive, um, semi-open area, and it loaded the next area while you were there, and it had a character doing some exposition, talking about events in the world and things like that. They also had smaller examples of while you're going through the area, you would have to kind of go through a kind of a claustrophobic crack in a wall or something, and so you're you're squeezing through this little space, and it it artificially slows you down so that it can load things in the next area. So it's it's super common. They have to spend a ton of time in game design, not just on the actual layout of the level, but how they can support what they want to do within the limitations of the memory and, and speed that they've got to work with. So with these faster speeds on the SSDs that we're going to have in the next generation, I... It's it's hard to even imagine what we're going to actually see because game designers are not going to have to uh, build around those limitations. Yeah. the What I am absolutely in, floored with with this next generation is the fact that it's not like they're using a slow standard for SSDs. Like As with everything, there are different standards for speed for these new solid state drives it's you know one solid state drive is not necessarily equal to the other and they're using Mm -hmm. a very very high standard for this they're using nvme uh solid state drives which i realize that if you don't know what that is then you know that that's a 
a bunch of gibberish words. So what that means is it has the theoretical capability to transfer four gigabytes of data a second versus the slower standard, which is kind of what I would have expect expected, which is half a gigabyte per second. So you have the you have literally eight times the speed difference between yeah, one and the other. And for it's huge for, for more perspective, uh, a hard drive, a spinning disk, typically typically the maximum speed for a single uh, spinning disk is I think like two hundred megabytes. So you know if it's going to be four four gigabytes per second, that's what twenty times the speed from the previous generation theoretically just from taking just absurd right so once again like you know you you imagine a force uh, a four gigabyte flash drive we've had four gigabyte flash drives all over the place for decades basically you can fill up a four gigabyte flash drive in a second (laughs) in a second (laughs) and this is this is not just you know raw data that is sitting on a disk somewhere it's raw data sitting on a disk somewhere that needs to be accessed quickly so that the processor can figure out what it needs to do with it so that the graphics card can figure out what it needs to do with it and then put it up on your screen four gigabytes a second is just blowing my mind and i'm happy that i have it in my phone i'm happy i have it on my computer and i'm uh, you know both of those things actually typically end up costing more than a console in the first place and i'm happy that we're finally going to get that in a console so um for anyone who wants to learn a little bit more about this or just hear more about uh, at least the the PlayStation 5's take on all this. Mark Cerny and Sony had a presentation which originally was meant for GDC, which is the Game Developers Conference. Uh, and it went online, and this was like the first deep dive into the PlayStation 5. And it's not like a consumer-facing thing. A lot of people might have thought it was, and so there was there was some disappointment in the event and I don't understand why because it's it's pointed at developers it doesn't make any sense for for people to be disappointed in it because it was like an hour of Mark Cerny talking technical details and it's fascinating to listen to him talk about some of this stuff because one of the things he pointed out I mean he he talked specifically about some of these twisty patches passages that I mentioned uh, another thing was that there's a lot of data streaming while you're moving around in a game. So if you think about um, your field of vision, they don't actually have to load anything that's behind you. So when you turn around, they can get rid of stuff that's behind you. Yeah, in in terms of the game's world, it doesn't exist when you're not facing it. It's like Schrodinger's game design. And that exists today. That's it's a pretty common technique. There's a, there's a technical term for it, something-something exclu- uh, occlusion. So it's not like it doesn't exist today, but with the the faster speeds on the next generation, they'll basically be able to completely de-render and render things before you even turn around. Like you you start turning around and boom, it it's loading things. And again, this is if you watch Sony's uh deep dive into the PS5, Mark Cerny talks about this and it was it was really cool to watch. And again, it's it's very technical and kind of amusing to watch. If I closed my eyes while listening to Mark Cerny talk, it sounded like Ryan Reynolds doing a parody of someone <laughs> talking about games. <laughs> <Funny>. <laughs>
we're, we're gonna have more to talk about consoles because you know they haven't even announced price yet honestly and um is there an image of the playstation 5 yet by the way no, the, the PlayStation 5's design has not been revealed. Right, so we have a long way to go on these bad boys, and theoretically they'll launch by the end of the year. Who knows whether or not things will change that, but um, you know we have, we have a lot more to talk about these consoles as, as we learn more, but uh, you know, blown away by some of the early, early news that we're getting about the next generation of consoles. So I think the next thing to talk about is the next generation of a few Apple products because we didn't get an event, but we got a uh, press release of new devices just a couple days ago. So And they put out a couple of videos for those devices. Yes, they did because they are practicing social distancing. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, technically they released three devices. Uh, the first device, which I don't even have in our show notes because it wasn't a real launch. They basically did a, a quick spec bump on the Mac Mini, uh, my lovely Mac Mini that is part of the Mac Mini Master Race. And uh, all they did is they basically kept the prices exactly the same, but they uh, increased the amount of storage in each. The very, very base model for the Mac Mini is 256 gigabytes, and the single step up to a Core i5 from a Core i3, that comes with a 500 gigabyte hard drive, as, or solid state drive as well. So... Um, but this is actually something I was afraid of that they would update the Mac mini at this time of year, because in November I actually bought a Mac mini and I was potentially holding off buying a Mac mini in the fear that they would update it in the spring. But, uh, the net difference between the sale that I got on my Mac mini and what I would buy it for today is about a hundred bucks. And they actually didn't update the processor at all. The processor remains the same. No changes. The only thing they did yeah. is update the uh, the solid-state storage amount. And I didn't get the base storage amount on mine, so doesn't change anything. <laughs> so I'm super happy the fact that I decided to splurge early, theoretically early, and just kind of live with the hit that they might update it in the spring and that it'll be you know good enough. But they updated it, but they didn't really. So, you know, it's it's a net positive for anyone who's looking to buy a Mac Mini. And uh, I still have technically this model, so I'm happy about that. All right, so that was Mini. The, the next one that we should chat about uh, is uh, we're going to go in order in which I believe people will probably buy these devices. So the next device that people are most likely to buy is going to be the iPad Pro. And... This is, in and of itself, a smaller update than I would have anticipated for a new generation of the iPad Pro. And it's to the point where I really only believe the change that you'll really notice is the change in camera. They updated the processor, but they didn't really. They only added an extra core to the GPU. The Supposedly, the core count on the processor remains the same. The GPU went from a seven-core GPU, which is a weird number, um, but it that is a yeah, weird number. Is a really weird number. <laughs> um, and it went to an eight-core GPU, a much more normal number. <laughs> but yeah. that is huh. on paper the only difference. Uh, we haven't seen any price, or we haven't seen any speed bumps. But the thing is, uh, the 
processor in the latest iPhone is an A13, and the processor in this iPad is an A12, the exact same, or the A12Z. The previous generation was an A12X. So they skipped Y, and I don't know what Z means, uh, but it means at least an extra GPU processor. It means Zooper. Zooper, yes. Super good job there. So it's not a big change. Uh, everything else mostly remains the same, and it's a it's a fine upgrade, honestly. Uh, it's it will be technically better than the old model, but if you have a 2018 model like me, uh, you can get to keep it, and there's really no reason to get the 2020 model. Uh, and there's something though that they really announced here that. Um, Took a lot of people by surprise. Uh, I, I know that every single Apple podcast I listened to this week was blown away by the fact that this already exists because this was hy- hypothesized. And the fact that it already exists and is actually functioning now is crazy. So Apple released a new case, essentially a new keyboard slash trackpad accessory case for their iPad. And this is basically they cut off the bottom of a MacBook Air and they put it onto a case that folds over top of an iPad and that's what you get and it is literally I thought this thing looks super it's cool amazing <laughs> so um the first thing to really note in case you didn't notice this by the way is that the iPad floats over the keyboard yeah it's got like a hinge so it forms a um kind of a riser the word the word cantilever hinge has yeah. been used a lot. I saw that and I was thinking, <laughs> man, these these engineers are getting their terms in there. I think it's the same hinge that's on the uh, the fancy Apple Pro Display XDR. Um, I think that's the same kind of hinge. I don't quote me on that, but I believe that's the case. But it floats. It floats. You'll float too. We all float down here. That's the exact quote I was referencing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, it has, it literally has a, the, the exact same keyboard that the MacBook Pro 16 inch has. Um, it literally looks exactly the same and it has the scissors switches that work uh, better and it's backlit and it looks like you have a comment to say about backlighting, huh? yeah i I like backlighting not necessarily rgb keep it tasteful Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but my uh my desktop keyboard is a mechanical and it has just nice white backlighting which i find really pleasant so apple does a great job with their backlighting because i i don't know if they've kept this but the the macbook that i have from work actually literally it is just the letters on the black keyboard that is lit up it's it's there isn't like lighting that shines from around the the letter keycap and whatnot it's literally just the letter itself it's real classy i love it so and the exact same keyboard here and um has a usb-c port on this keyboard as well looks like you have a comment on that as well I think that is really nice as well. Uh, how how much uh, have they embraced USB-C? Apple? Would you say? Yeah. Uh, excessively. Apple has excessively embraced USB-C slash Thunderbolt to the point that people are probably upset with Apple about it. Why? So iPhones and things like that. Because I see the USB-C on the keyboard and I was thinking, does the iPad Pro itself even have yes USB C. that was the big that was a big deal of the 2018 generation that that was the first ios device that 
uh, ditched the lightning port for a USB-C. So the iPad Pro, right. only the iPad Pro, has a USB-C port at this point. So, um, But yeah, uh, Apple has obsessively adopted USB-C. They're basically trying to say Good. that you know, our, you can use the exact, I literally use the exact same charger on my MacBook that I use for my iPad. It's fantastic. That's great. I wish that they embraced Thunderbolt because then I could use the Thunderbolt dock that I have for my MacBook with my iPad, which would be crazy, but technically it should, it should be possible. So USB D will take care of all of that. It'll unify everything. Uh, I do not need (laughs) another standard for USB, but USB-C is, you know, it's, it's getting more adopted, and we'll talk more about that later. But, um, you know, the price is expensive, but this is a very, very strange product because uh, iPads don't have trackpads. They just don't. I, I mean, I don't – I'm not going to explain this. iPads don't have trackpads. <laughs> like, yeah, they're, they were – Apple was very, very adamant about the, the iPad being a, uh, a device that you use with your fingers. Exactly. And the Apple Pencil slightly changed that. And in mm. iOS, iPad OS 13, they introduced uh, mouse support as an accessibility feature. And here is just the crazy thing that I think you also will appreciate is the fact that this was rumored. This was rumored for a while that Apple was going to be doing something with uh, trackpad support in a future version of iOS. People assume that was iOS four or iPad OS fourteen, because you know we we have cursor support in iPad OS thirteen. It's an accessibility feature. It's a little janky. It seems a little hacky. Uh, it but it, it works. It's there. It kind of sucks, uh, but it's there. And they completely reinvented it under the in the dead of night with no one watching. They didn't put it into the beta channel at all. They completely revamped it. They shown it to us, what, just a couple days ago with this demo of this new iPad and this new keyboard case. And they said, now iPads support trackpads. And next Tuesday, everyone gets it. Everyone who has a mouse, everyone who has an Apple Magic trackpad can just get exactly what we demoed with this iPad today. today. Like, you don't need an iPad Pro. You can have a... The 10.2 inch, $300 iPad, you can have an iPad mini, you can have an iPad Air, you can have an iPad Pro from 2015, just hook up a a Magic Trackpad, and you get the exact same functionality that they just demoed, and it's completely redone. The, what they did with this uh, new cursor support, it's completely revamped, and it works exactly like a Mac. There's definitely a couple small changes, because iPad OS and Mac OS is not the same. There's gestures that you can use on your Mac that translate one-to-one to the iPad. And none of this was rumored or leaked to launch in March. And it launches next Tuesday. I do have to respect when companies can pull that off these days. It's, it's not easy. It's crazy. And you can actually get it today. As we record, it's Friday the 20th. And... Uh, Apple basically released something called a Gold Master, which is the release version of iPadOS 13.4 that's going live on Tuesday. And if you're a public beta tester, you can go in and download it. It's a bold move, to be honest. And it works really well. They must have tested this thing for, I mean, long periods of time. They must have really done some work in testing this to be confident in putting it out like that. Right. They probably developed it 
with you know the new iPad and they basically said we want to put a trackpad on here but let's not uh, restrict it just to the iPad let's give a crap load of backwards compatibility to the point that this new accessory is actually backwards compatibility with my generation of the iPad I could go out and buy this and put it on my iPad that this was not technically built for and that is awesome <laughs> that is awesome um it's not really it's not really an apple move most you know back back in the ipod days you remember the uh the ipod fifth generation and then there was a half generation of the ipod fifth generation the ipod 5.5 as, as it was called and there were certain like video features that you know if you bought the ipad the ipod fifth generation like the the year before and they didn't make it real obvious change to the iPod but they released it they called it the iPod fifth five and a half generation essentially and there's a feature that you just couldn't get on your iPod fifth generation and Apple kind of built up a reputation from themselves from this era that you know a new device comes out don't get the new feature on your old device it's it's just the way of life and this is not that. This is very aggressively consumer friendly. Also, you know, it's expensive, so it benefits Apple to make it available. <laughs> I think, yeah, I don't know. It's it's. I think it it gives both sides something because it is expensive. It is expensive. So it's three hundred dollars just for the eleven inch case. So that's if you have the smaller iPad Pro. It's three hundred dollars if you have the larger twelve point nine. It's three hundred fifty dollars. It's expensive. It's very expensive. Yeah, it costs almost as much as a new device. It literally costs more than a new iPad. Like if you have a twelve point nine, you can buy a new iPad for three hundred twenty dollars. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's no joke. That's yeah, crazy. It's, it's crazy. There's a lot of technology in that thing, though. Um, and this is this is really rapidly getting closer to a laptop replacement. Um, for everyone else. Like, the iPad already was a laptop replacement for me, but this is getting closer for everyone else. And uh, in my uh, day's use of the trackpad support, because I do have a Magic trackpad, I did pair it to my iPad. I did update to 13.4. It does work great. Um, you know, it, it works even more like a Mac, and slowly but surely, Apple is going to be making their their products uh pretty similar um and i think that this is how apple inevitably merges their product lines that eventually everything will just work the same across everything and eventually someday we'll realize wait a second at one point there was a different operating system that ran on mac on macs and a different operating system that ran on ipads and this is a huge unexpected step towards it what a world yeah, what a world. So I, I won't be getting this anytime soon because it is very expensive. I uh, The deal that I got with my iPad last year um, was a pretty good one. I already have a keyboard case with it, so I don't need a new keyboard case. If that keyboard case dies, I will be getting this. Um, if everything financially goes fine after everything it clears up, um, and if Xcode gets released for iPad this summer, which... At this point, I'm willing to believe anything that they could do. If Xcode gets released for iPad this summer, that might tip me over the edge to buy this because 
man, oh man, I'd love to have Xcode on an iPad and having this built-in trackpad would be so sweet for that. And, and actually a lot of things, um, I'm thinking Apple's coming around on the, the benefits of precision because it's, it's great having a device that's meant to be interacted with just using your fingers, but th- with the pencil and now with the, the trackpad, they're, they're coming around to the fact that there's a lot of use cases that they're kind of missing out on that providing that kind of precision for people is going to really open up the ways that people can use the iPad. And so uh, I know we had talked about this a little bit pre-show because a lot of these kind of trackpad features are things that, like you said, they they have been available on Mac OS proper and they're also available on Windows. So on the Windows side, you've been able to kind of use this kind of thing on a tablet in things like the Surface or any other kind of Windows 2-in-1 or tablet or whatever. Um, but this is pretty huge for like a tablet first device, especially with a tablet specific OS. Yeah. You know, they're, we're all getting kind of to similar spots, honestly, like having a cursor now between a surface and an iPad on the outside looks very similar. I, you know, I, I obviously I'm the Apple guy on the show and I'm, I'm going to like the way that Apple approached it, but basically you know, there's a, a very few small things that they do with the cursor that I really love what they're doing with it. That is very, very different than how Windows currently handles cursors. And I don't know how whether or not they couldn't do anything like this. But um, when you get closer to a button, uh, when you're scrolling around on the iPad, because again, scrolling around on an iPad with a cursor is a very weird thing. When I first did this earlier in the summer with the accessibility feature... I, it it felt wrong. Like it just felt wrong. And today it still kind of felt wrong, but it felt better. Um, partially because I got used to it, but it, it, it felt better. Um, but one of the things that it does is that when you get close to a button, it actually snaps to that button and it highlights that button and the cursor goes away and all that's left is the highlighted button and you can scroll and it snaps between the different buttons that are next to it. It's it's really quick to realize, okay, you're not scrolling on buttons anymore. Let's just show you the cursor again. When you get close to interface elements, it snaps right onto the interface elements. It's it's really cool. I'd have to see how that feels cuz if it snaps to the button, that could I'm not I'm not sure how that would feel. It would feel wrong on a Windows computer. It would abs I give you yeah. every concession there that it would feel wrong in a Windows computer, it would feel wrong in a Mac. But given the fact that you don't use a cursor on an iPad, it feels perfect on this device. And I'm curious to see where they go with it, where they evolve it, and you know, maybe if they can evolve it more, maybe it does make sense on a Mac at some point. And then in which case that comes back to the Mac and we get closer and closer to a unified platform. So one last thing on the iPads is the fact that the base storage is now up to 128 gigabytes, and I think that's great. Yeah, it's definitely better. Yeah. <laughs> 64 gigs is a joke nowadays if you're on an 11-inch device. And I, I hope that means that the next-generation iPhones also have that. I wouldn't be surprised if the lower-end iPhone has 64 still, but I would imagine the iPhone Pro series should have 128 gigabytes. It's it's time. Okay, so I am such a huge fan of the iPad, honestly, and uh, this this was a wild week for that. So, um, but another product that 
this is the product that people are going to buy. The new MacBook Air is less revolutionary, but it's also way easier to recommend as well because it's, uh, you know, the iPad is wonderful, but most folks really aren't ready to put their mobile life on it. A lot of people still love laptops, and I understand the concept, honestly, that uh, laptops are pretty great. Um, you know, the fact that Apple's bringing a trackpad to the iPad shows that there's something to it. So, um, you know, why reinvent the wheel when you don't necessarily have to? And the MacBook Air is absolutely perfect for that. It's a it's a known quantity, and uh, I, I personally can finally recommend it again because it has the new slash old keyboard. Um, it got rid of the butterfly keyboard. It is back to the scissor switches which that just means that they're that they work i've i've uh, heard a lot of complaints about that uh that keyboard the butterfly switches as well so you should have it's good to as hear well you should have they were not easy to repair it actually required you to literally pull the entire computer apart and put a whole new keyboard back in this new keyboard you can literally just pop off a key put on a new key and you're done so uh it's easier to repair in case it does end up breaking in the future and it's just a it's a it's the uh, mechanism that everyone else in the industry uses. Your Dell, mm-hmm. my keyboard on my desk, now this laptop, this MacBook Air uses the exact same keyboard switch, and there's a reason for it because it works and it's a known quantity and it works. So um, it also has an acceptable amount of storage. So just like the iPad, it um, has more storage. Just like the Mac Mini, it has more storage. It has a base storage amount of 256 gigabytes which again I think is still a little small but for most folks yeah. it's it's perfect um and it's way better than 128 there's a real there's a cliff between 128 gigabytes and 256 the MacBook Air is the product for everyone else it's not the MacBook Pro it's not the most expensive product in their lineup it's a great product honestly for an entry level MacBook it historically has always held that role and it continues to do that um and it you know it still has the USB-C ports. Nothing's changed there, but every single year that we live in society, USB-C is becoming more and more adopted. Um, people are starting to get chargers in their cell phone boxes with USB-Cs now, and so people understand it. People look for it yeah. now. And you know, a couple of years ago when it was only USB-C, that was a negative thing. Now it's a little bit better. So um, yeah, it's going to be a really cool world when we have pretty much everything running on USB-C. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the that's another thing with the consoles to kind of jump back to that is the the next generation consoles the PS5 controllers will have USB C ports rather than micro USB. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. So it's it's places that you kind of don't even really think about. Maybe um, like we might not necessarily need it for data, but it's just the fact that it's a different connector. Well, right, and it's universal. Like you know, you you don't need to worry about it anymore, and you don't need to worry about what direction it is. It's universal. Yeah, up and down. you know, it's that fourth dimension crap. <laughs> like, how do I have to flip a USB port multiple times to get it to fit? It can only go one of two ways. <laughs> the <laughs> MacBooks these days are only USB-C because Apple is all in on USB-C. It's only a matter of time till their iPhones get it. And, you know, um, it, it, that's a better thing these days. And they dropped the price ever so slightly. They dropped it by 100 bucks. It's still $1,000, which is a lot of money. It's a premium product for sure but it's it's a lot of money uh, if you're a student you can get it for less um also just so you know you can also just keep an eye out on deals uh, because best buy really likes to sell laptops 
and they really like to sell laptops at less than retail price. And so I don't think you should buy anything <laughs> at retail price, price. these days because yep. everyone loves sales and Best Buy does too. So don't buy it full price. So anyway, the previous generation, the immediate previous generation was good, but the keyboard really caused concerns to me because even though Apple has a four-year warranty on all new of their previous generation MacBook Airs, that if anything goes wrong with the keyboard, they'll just fix it for four years. That's that's a long time. But I know several people who have five, six, seven, eight, almost 10-year-old MacBooks. What happens in year like five, year six, when you don't want to replace your MacBook that you just got that you spent a lot of money on? What if it breaks then? Like these keyboards break. They, they're notorious for breaking. And so they finally got rid of the, the bad keyboard. They put in a more reliable keyboard. I can recommend it again because uh, there has been no complaints about the 16-inch keyboard. This has the same keyboard. It should be fine. Yep. Everything's turning up Melhouse. <laughs> okay. So we've got some great stuff happening with consoles. We've got some new products with uh, the iPad Pro and uh, the MacBook Air revisions. Yep. Apple does have an event later this year, actually, too, don't they? So just like Google, they mentioned that they're not going to be doing an in-person event, given just the fact that meeting with more than 10 people at a time is a risky thing these days. And so they are going to be doing a world their worldwide developer conference online only so far as i know they're still planning on doing it so uh we'll see it um and this is a really big deal this is honestly like the biggest event that apple does every single year and the fact that they're doing it online only is a really really big change so um i think what i'm also really personally excited about is the fact that uh, wwdc 2019 I had just started getting into uh, learning iOS development and I watched WWDC 2019 with a new set of eyes. And this year I'm going to be watching it with another new set of eyes. Dude, you know, some people can't even afford one set of eyes. (laughs) Actually, funny enough, I do have contacts, which I did not have contacts last year. So technically I will be looking at them with very different eyes this year than last year. That's That's, true. Yes, it's very good point, Bo. Very good point, Bo. One that I would have missed. Also one that maybe was not worth making. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) All right. Um, So WWDC is stupid expensive. Uh, A ticket, just a ticket to WWDC is $1,600. Then you need to get a flight to San Francisco. You need, or not San Francisco, San Jose. You need to stay in the San Jose area. Um, The Apple WWDC conference every single year is probably the biggest developer conference in the world. So that means that hotels are not, are not cheap. And that means that uh, transportation is not cheap. That means that food is not cheap, um, especially in the Bay area. And so, you know, listen to the accidental tech podcast guys, they kind of estimated out that it would cost a developer probably about like $4,000 for a week's worth of, uh, development. And, Every year, it's basically worth it because of the fact that you literally get to talk to Apple engineers. So this online format will not allow you to talk to Apple engineers. But what I'm super excited about is that this should mean that the whole conference is free. And given the fact that I've now done this for about a year, which isn't really long, it's not long enough to really soak it all in. 
but it's going to be long enough to try it and i'm gonna and i get to do it for free or at least theoretically free apple could put a price on it but you know if it's i'm not <laughs> buying it for sixteen hundred dollars they're gonna put it on apple tv plus and i have that <laughs> whoa i have that i mean i i got a new apple device and so they gave me a year for free for it so you know i have that <laughs> Well, look at look you. At me. Everything's coming up, Millhouse. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so I'm 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 really really hopeful that it's free or at least relatively cheap. Uh, you know, if it's a couple hundred dollars, I might not do it, but it probably will be free. So, pretty excited about that. So, closing out our show, we got some picks. And what is your pick for today, sir? I am going to do my best attempt at pronouncing a German word. Mm-hmm. Germans, if you're listening, or if there's anyone who is uh, fluent in German, tell me how I did. Here we go. Kurzgesagt. I actually, you know what? I love this YouTube channel. I believe you <laughs> pronounced it perfectly or at least ridiculously close. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. So that's German for in a nutshell. And it's a, uh, it's a YouTube channel and design studio. Uh, they're based out of Munich. They do a ton of videos about science and space and technology, biology, history, philosophy. They're they're very informative and super, super cool. They're well animated. They have original music. Just super, super cool. And I actually love the design of all of their oh, videos. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And all of the graphic design that goes into pretty much everything they do. Um, yeah. They actually had a recent one about uh, the coronavirus. Yes, um, so talking about kind of um, the current knowledge around it, and they're very they're very clear and upfront about, um, for example, in the coronavirus video, because the science is still evolving, they were very clear about that in the video and said um, they're going to be updating this separate website with any of the uh, updated information as it comes becomes available. Yeah. So they are very very pro science and learning. And, uh, so a lot of their videos are like hypotheticals, like what would happen if we dropped a billion nuclear bombs at the bottom of the ocean? <laughs> and like, they, they just like, they, like, they like to promote thinking about things kind of in a different way and things that maybe you wouldn't think about. Um, and I, I love their videos about space and everything. So, I mean, I love space. It's hard to, it's hard for me to turn down something about space. Yeah. These guys so. are absolutely incredible, and the the name in a nutshell is absolutely perfect because that's what they aim to do. They aim to take a complex uh, idea and give you exactly what you need to know in a nutshell so that you can quickly spout it off to whoever else you want to uh, talk to about it, and you you can feel relatively knowledgeable about it. They are very good at it. Um, uh, I, I'm surprised that you brought this up because... I am a huge fan of these guys. I didn't know that. Absolutely a huge fan of these guys. These are guys that the second they appear on my subscription feed on YouTube, I watch them immediately. Like I I'm I'm getting there. That's the that's the such a weird thing because I had watched a couple of their videos here and there for the past year or more. And it wasn't until recently that I just started to watch everything they ever did. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I just, I don't, I'm not sure why I never watched more of it because I was always engrossed in whatever I was watching. You should absolutely watch every single one of their videos. They're absolutely incredible. Um, the video that I want to plug from them uh, came out in 2017. 
And honest to God, I look back at this video as something that probably, I don't use these words lightly, probably changed my life actually, because it talked about microbiome. And so what is the microbiome? The idea is that your, uh, there is bacteria in your gut and uh, what you eat drives what decisions you make essentially. And bacteria grow off of food that you eat. And that's, it sounds gross, but it's actually completely natural. Everyone has it. And if, even if you think it's gross, guess what? It's there. So <laughs> deal, deal with, with it. it. <laughs> so uh, the bacteria grow. Uh, and the way evolution works is that when it gets food and bacteria that like cheeseburgers do a really good job of growing off of the cheeseburgers that are digesting, they say, all right, great. There's more of us bacteria in here that really love cheeseburgers. Brain, give us more cheeseburgers. And there's science behind the fact that our brains can literally listen to our guts to say, I want a cheeseburger right now. I don't really know why, but I need to go get it. And um, what's hmm. the reason why this has been life-changing to me is because this clicks something in my head and I have eaten a lot healthier since watching this video. Honestly, like the end of 2017, 2018, 2019, I have been migrating my entire diet to be completely fresh. I have almost no fast food in my diet whatsoever. I eat the weirdest shit these days. Like I eat avocados, I eat broccoli, I eat <laughs> like all I I uh eat more sweet potatoes than almost any other kind of potatoes. I realized that I wanted to eat more fresh food. That's what I wanted my microbiome to say. Mm -hmm. This is what I want. And so after watching this video, I said, let's figure out how to make let's try to trick myself into eating more healthy foods and trick my microbiome to say let's go eat healthy foods and it worked <laughs> it really did so that's just science it's, it, it's amazing i mean it, it took a lot of self-preservation <laughs> and a lot of effort to do it and i think it's because this did a little bit of inception in my head to say let's eat healthy and i'm excited about it I just watched Inception last night. That's crazy. The more movie references I threw out there, the more likely I will hit a chord. <laughs> so, yeah. Long so long story short, Kurtz Gazat is great and uh you should check him out. Yes, sir. They've got a ton of videos about a ton of different topics, but if you like to think about what would happen if a black hole just spontaneously appeared somewhere, uh then they've got videos for you. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll put a link in the in the show notes. Check those out because the uh, they're a hard word to spell. I'll share some links for you. you I got you. I got you. Mm -hmm. So that's my pick. What do you got? My pick for today is Brooklyn Nine Nine. Have you ever seen that show? I've watched Excellent. it. Yeah. So it's from the great folks who brought you The Good Place and from Parks awesome. and Recreation. It features also the awesome. National Treasures, Andy Samberg and Terry Crews. They I, this show's just so funny, man. I've um we we finally ran out of shows to watch the other day and so I decided to dig into Brooklyn Nine Nine and got me on the first episode. Absolutely hilarious. I see I I love the good place. I love Parks and Rec. Yep. Brooklyn Nine Nine was okay. I thought it was entertaining, but I liked the Good Place better. 
Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a little bit sillier, I think. Well, I don't know if that's true, because The Good Place is plenty silly. <laughs> yeah, they lose. Uh, the Good Place but, loses steam in the second half of the series, for sure. Um, I disagree. Ooh, really? Yes. Yeah, um, I, wasn't a hu- I wasn't a huge <laughs> fan of the ending of uh, The Good Place, but, you know, it is what it is. Either way, I mean, like, Good Place was, was absolutely hilarious, and it's it's i would rewatch it um but you know i, I i'm liking brooklyn 99 it's it's really low uh pressure there's you can just you can just pound out a couple shows it's hilarious yeah it was it was just easy to throw on yeah it was very entertaining yeah so far a big fan of it there's a lot of seasons um i'm only in the first season of it um and yeah we'll see we'll see where it goes but i'm i'm loving it so that's yeah and so just to add on to what you had said, it, it's created by Michael Schur and then another guy, Dan Gore. Michael Schur is very well-known. I, I don't know much about Dan Gore. He could also be well-known. But Michael Schur is um, actually funny enough. Um, he created, so like you said, he created Parks and Rec and The Good Place and... He also was a producer and writer for The Office, mm. the U.S. version. Mm. Interesting. And not only that, he actually played Dwight's cousin in The Office. He was actually Moe's in in The Office, and a lot of people don't know that. Like, what? This guy's not actually a total uh, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> he play, He wrote this thing. Uh, so yeah, that I mean, that's the guy that created all these fantastic that's shows. Awesome. Uh, he's he's like some kind of genius yeah so loving it and um yeah, that's really all i have to say about that because it's a dumb stupid show love andy sandberg love terry cruz and happy to happy to have them back in my life again so but so uh that's that's it for today um you know thank you for listening um if you want to share any comments or feedback or questions or if you just want to say hi from your uh, safe quarantine house um p- please feel free to shoot us an email at active discourse at iclub.com or feel free to follow active discourse on twitter and say hi we're here we're, we're here to talk um and we'll be talking again soon if you do feel free to reach out by the way feel free to let us know uh any hobbies that you're going to dig into during this uh, quarantine period so stay safe and wash your hands people talk to you later see you next time